Mean Line Media presents the Olivia Fox Podcast. What's up? What's up? It's your girl, Olivia Fox. And thank you so much for tuning in again for another episode of the Olivia Fox Show. I appreciate each and every one of you. Remember what I tell you. You got to subscribe to this doggone podcast. That's what we need from you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Your girl is back in effect. The Olivia Fox Podcast is up in here. Today, joining us on the program, it's all about writing, creating, and being the best author that you can be. This gentleman is a friend of mine that I have known for over a decade. I want to even say maybe 15 years. We're coming up around 15 years. And he does it all. He writes. He ghost writes. He produces. He he creates uh, book covers. Uh, is there anything that you don't do, brother? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome best-selling author Deshaun Taylor, my New Jersey brother. What's up? Well, oh, I, listen, I like the way you said you back because to me, you ain't never go nowhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you just a fixture around this these parts. You know what I'm saying? If they stay down here in the in the, in the area. You one of the folks. You know what I'm saying? So listen, I appreciate you having me on. Um, the whole writing thing. I'm I'm excited about the revolution that's happening. Uh, a lot of people seeing this groundswell. There's a resurgence of creativity. A lot of spots that now you can place your content on. I mean, even with this, man, I'm like super excited. Not only for you, but just the you know the industry in itself. And we all got this um, platform where we can you know speak our minds. You know, um, bounce ideas off one another. So I'm very excited to be here and I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, I know your backstory. I know where you're from. I know you're a Rutgers uh, graduate. Okay. I know you hail from the beautiful state of New Jersey, but if you would, you know, I try to, I I try to start all my conversations out like this. I want to know how is it that Deshaun Taylor decided, you know what, this writing thing, this is what I'm going to do. This is me. Listen, it, it started early because, first of all, shout out to Trenton. That's where I'm born and raised, Trenton, Jersey. Uh, for those that know, they say Trenton makes and the world takes. So anybody that knows that quote, they know we cre- we got the creativity in central Jersey. So basically, it all started with a pen and a pad, man. I mean, anybody growing up in our generation, once I heard hip hop, it was a rap. You know what I'm saying? Like gospel music played in my house. R&B music played in my house, pop music, you know what I'm saying? We heard the Madonnas and, you know, the Boy Georges and all that. Man, please, man. I heard Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. What? It's a rap, hip-hop all day. So basically, that's how it started, you know what I'm saying? I um, started a little rap group with me and my brothers. It was called the Love Posse. Like. <laughs> Don't bite my don't bite my name. It was called the Love Posse. I was MC Double D. You know what I'm saying? Devastating Deshaun. You know what I'm saying? We taking it back, back, back. You know what I'm saying? After my brother Money Mike. You know what I'm saying? After my brother DJ Symphony. My brother Monty Q. Well, I ain't gonna give y'all his real name because I got beef. But but yeah, man, it started just like that, man. I was writing lyrics, writing poems. You know what I'm saying? I always felt like you know the pen. Just, you know, like I said, got a hold of me. And you know what I'm saying? Just talking about my experiences and stuff that, you know, anybody growing up in those neighborhoods back in the 70s and 80s, y'all know how it was, man. It was totally different than what these kids are experiencing today. So, of course, you had to talk about it. You had to, like, you had to express yourself to not let it drive you crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because if you became of it, you found yourself in the streets doing the same thing, getting caught up in the rat race, getting caught up in the gang, getting, you know what I'm saying, getting caught up on the corners. So basically we went the opposite route 
and really started kind of reporting what was going on, not only, you know, in our neighborhoods, but when people started bringing stuff to us, it was like, yo, that'd make a cool song. So just writing from there. And then, you know, as I got older, I started writing articles. I started a um, hip hop magazine called realhiphop.com. And this was early. This was way before Twitter and Instagram and all these social media outlets, you know what I'm saying? Bringing hip hop to the masses through our website was important because again, you know, you living on the East Coast, you don't really know what's going on down south. I mean, you hear it in the music, but you don't know what the real people are going through. You don't know what the producers are doing, what the fashion designers are doing, what the DJs are doing, what the club owners are doing. Like it was like the culture of hip hop was so big. I mean, still is to this day, of course. But, you know, people wanted to know about the intricacies of what was going on. So that gave way to us writing these articles and putting out some substantial, you know, what I'm saying some substantial content back then that kind of gravitated to people that wanted to hear the battles. They wanted to see the, you know, the pop lock in and still wanted to get involved with the culture. So it just elevated from there. And then, of course, I got on a reality show. I mean, I'm giving you a lot. Oh, so it's I hope you take notes. All right. <laughs> so got on a reality show on um, the Ultimate Hustler. You know, shout out to Dame Dash for, you know, allowing us the opportunity to compete at a fierce level. Um, and from there, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to write my story. I didn't want to glamorize, you know, what was going on, you know, not only in my household. I didn't want to paint it in a way where people are like, oh, I wish I would have lived like that. It's like, nah, I want to give you the raw, uncut. It, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, you know, all it is reality show stuff where people get glammed up. Nah, it was raw. It was gutter. We was poor as hell. But yeah, so I, I wanted to I wanted to tell my story. So I released from poverty to power moves and that kind of got the ball rolling now and, and it really that was real therapeutic not only for myself but my family because they started seeing themselves in print like wait a minute you talked about what we was going through when we was young like yeah i talked about the real house i grew up in you know all the violence and all that like this this the drugs like i i talked about the real stuff so people would know like it's no cakewalk out here and then i also wanted to stamp it too to say this is when this happened so as the years go along, people can look back like, damn, this is how the 80s were. This is how the 70s were. This is how the early 90s were. So I did want to kind of chronicalize what was happening. Um, and that kind of got the career started as far as writing is concerned. And then, you know, of course, elevated into a publishing house. And my goal today and up until today is always to help new authors, writers, you know, poets, you know, content creators, people that's interested in getting their story out there, not only, the, you know, their story, but other stuff that they have going on, you know, definitely come to us, man. That's, that's what we now, do. Now, your publishing that's, company, that's Next Level Publishing, my question to mm -hmm. you is, because uh, I have so many, but what do you think when you first started out was one of your biggest challenges in terms of taking a story, like the story from you growing up, um, to where you mm -hmm. are and how you, you know, progressed in your journey. What was the hardest part about getting that down on paper for you? I want to break that question up into two parts, right? So there's two things that was going on. So it's internally and externally. So internally, the biggest block was really trying to like prove, not, not necessarily prove to myself, but just hype myself up to, to, to encourage myself to say that my story is important. Because I think that's the biggest thing. Like when I first started writing, it was like, but don't nobody want to hear about this. And don't nobody care about training. Don't nobody care about PJ Hill and where you went to elementary school at. And I had to get out of that because the first thing that people think is like, all right, well, I want to tell my story. But then who's my audience? You know, 
Like, why would they want to listen to what I have to say? And you, to me, what I've learned over, you know, the many decades in the industry, you never know who you're going to touch. The important thing is to get it done. You got to sit down. You got to write it. No matter what you think, no matter your, your pride come in, your ego come in, you know, the external forces come in to try to bat your ideas down. You got to ignore that because that was that's the biggest fight. The biggest fight is can you get everything down on paper so you can now present it to the world? And to me, that was the biggest fight. And it took a while. Like, it literally took a while. I had to sit down. I had to be honest with myself. And then when I started writing in the you know, first couple of chapters, I was like a superhero. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, yeah, well, we did this and we did that. And I was like, nah, you can't lie to the people. You got to be Keep it real. real. So that's, you know, again, your eagles step in. You want to talk about all this stuff that didn't really happen. So it's like, nah, just tell your real story. You know, really get into it. And I got that advice from a couple of other authors that was more elevated than I was at the time in the industry. So that definitely helped out. And then the second part to that, what I want to say as far as externally, the hardest part is now those other people that's telling you that your story is not important. The haters. So you know what I'm saying? So it goes back to the same concept. So you got your internal person that's saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Then you got the external, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So now you got to ignore the haters and the people that don't understand what your passion is. So that's going to be the hardest part to overlook, uh, to overcome, because what you're going to do is try to start to write the book and say, oh, I'm on a publisher or I want somebody to help me push this book. or I want a marketer. I want a PR person. And then you're going to start to meet people. And they're going to say, eh, well, who are you? Which, why is your story important? You know, and so I always take it back to what Kanye said, you know, um, never let the people that got the power to sign um, tell you, you know, that they don't have the power to rhyme, telling you that they don't have the power to sign. So it's like, don't listen to that. You got to put your story out. And if it's going to be independent, let it be independent. So that's that's what I would say that people telling you that it's not, you know, that your story. Do you need important. to know who your audience is before you write or can you just write without having a particular audience in mind who you want to reach? Because I know uh, a lot of times if you have a product or a service in a business, the first thing they want to tell you to do with your business plan is to find out who your target consumer is. So is that as mm -hmm. important when you're writing a book? So it's 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 twofold again. So I'm, I'm probably going to break all your questions uh -oh. up into two pieces. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, because my brain doesn't work like linear like that. So I got to be honest with you. So it depends. So if you're writing fiction, it's, it's important to know who your audience is. So if you're writing fiction and you're coming up with a story and your story is basically you're creating a character, that character has to now connect with your audience immediately. You know what I'm saying? Because now, not immediate, but you know, you gotta, you gotta come up with something that you know that the audience is gonna enjoy. So you kinda wanna get a sense of, are you writing it for a 25 to 45 demo? Are you writing it for a 12 year old to 15 year old? Are you writing it for, you know, a grade school kids? So you do wanna know, you know, who you're gearing towards those fiction characters to. Now, when it comes to your story, Listen, you're going to have to create your audience. Bottom line. That's the bottom line. Don't think that the minute that you put your book out, all these people are going to clamor to your book like, oh, my God, uh, let me hug Miss Such and Such because Miss Such and Such just told her story. <laughs> nah, it's not, it doesn't work like that. So when you write your story and you put your story out, think about it backwards. You're not going to create your audience around your project because, again, unfortunately, if you're, quote, unquote, unknown, now you got to make these people feel you. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I take it back to this quote that I heard. Um, shout out to Draymond Green. 
he was like in the finals one year, he was like, uh, yeah, we had to make them fill us. Like they was watching us and we was balling. They wasn't filling us. So now we got to body them. Now we got to hit them. Now we got to touch them. Now we got to breathe on them. Now, you know what I'm saying? They got to fill us. So that's how your book got to be. When you put your book out there, yeah, you definitely got to write it, make it intense, you know what I'm saying? Make it so that it can grab people and make it honest, you know what I'm saying? Because people will connect with honesty immediately. But then when you go out, you have to create that audience. Don't Like I said, don't think that this is going to clamor to it. But the fun part is going out, letting the people feel you, letting the people touch you, pause. But, you know, getting to that point where um, they definitely are going to know you and then they'll get involved. With your I project. had Quicksilver on who is a DJ entrepreneur. And he was talking about when you have a business and you are this entrepreneur and the same with the book is that you think the people that will support you will. And the people that you don't think will, will support you. So it's kind of, you know, when we do things in terms of business or services and we're creating for ourselves, we always think it's going to be our family and our friends that are going to support us. And that may not necessarily always be the case. But on the flip side, you may get people to come to you that are drawn to you and you never even thought like, wow, I didn't even think someone like this or people in this particular demo would be interested in what it is that I'm writing about. So you just never know. To me, you can't limit yourself. You kind of have to say, you know, I'm going to put this out here and I hope to reach all kinds of people because I've got a concept or an idea that I think that will appeal to everybody. Now, you've had a long list of books and a couple years, it wasn't even a couple years ago, probably about 10 years ago, you know, time be flying. And I remember that you blew my mind. And so I'm getting ready to get my mind blown again. I was asking you what was Deshaun Taylor's process in writing a book. And you told me that you start from the end of the story, where the story ends and work your way back up, which I thought was, you know, just like the craziest thing I'd ever heard. I was like, wow, what a concept. But tell us why it is that that's your process, that you start from an end or the way you see a book concluding and then working your way up. Because I just think that is just such a unique technique in terms of writing. So so anybody that, wrote, that read my books, they know, like, I, I'm a thriller. Like, I'm a, I'm a thrill seeker when I write. My books are crazy. You don't pick up my book if you want to read about, you know, marrying a manger and all. I'm sorry. Don't write like that. My books are definitely crazy to the point, spitfire, rapid fire, because that's the environment, you know, that I grew up in. So I've always been attracted to that. Oh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? Leave people in suspense. Leave them, you know, page turning. Um, leave them kind of on a cliff. Now, I can't get to that cliffhanger unless I know where I'm going. And the fastest way to know where I'm going is just get there. And then I work it backwards because the way that I feel, and again, with fiction, fiction is totally different from nonfiction. And again, remember, quote unquote, writers and authors, when you're listening to this, you are writing books in different you know, um, genres and capacities. So don't you can't take the same advice for fiction that you would do for nonfiction. Because technically, when you write in nonfiction, you don't want to worry about the end because the end means you're right, right. You know what I'm saying? So you don't, don't want to think about that. You know what I'm saying? So you want to kind of look like, you, all right, think about your pillars, what happened in your life, those, you know, those story structure. I'm sorry, those um, story pillars of the big things that happen. And you can kind of build your story around that. But with fiction, it's a little different, especially if you're writing thriller and suspense and things like that, because I, I always want the reader 
to flow with me from a witness standpoint. So you got to give them little clues to follow and stuff like that. You got to make it fun. But you also, as soon as they think they know what's about to happen, you just snatch them by the <laughs> collar and just drag them down the hallway and show them something else. You know what I'm saying? Like They're like, oh, I know where this is going. Like, yeah, really hold on tight. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm about to like really whip, you know, whipsaw you. So that's why I really write from the end because I know where I'm going now and I know kind of like, okay, this character is going to end up like this. Now, the question is, how does he or she get to that point or they now in this environment? How do they get to this point? Now we say, OK, here's chapter one, here's chapter two. And then I do the same thing with the pillars. But I, I, I love writing backwards because I know where I'm going. And it makes it fun, too, because now I know, you know, kind of where I'm going. But I never maybe one or two books I started in the beginning with a character because I just love that character. Um, I know the new book, uh, Purple Fever, I definitely wrote the end first. Messy Sheets, ironically, that's probably one of my favorite characters, Kimmy Moore, and I love that character, quote unquote, Kimmy Moore, because she's just insatiable with everything. So I, I love that character and I wanted that character to be the star of the book. So I kind of started her like in the middle I didn't have the exact end because I wanted to um I wanted to put other books and the stuff that was happening in my other quote unquote Kiss by the Devil universe inside of that book. So I did kind of, you know, um do a different process with that one. But the best one for me is the I'm sorry, the best strategy for me is definitely starting at the end and then more. How many books have you published counting the one that we're gonna be talking about, your latest? How many books have you have you yourself read? My I'm on book okay. number seven. So this that I've authored, but I've pinned with my name on it, 10 total, 11 total with my name on it. Um, I'm in an anthology that just got re-released. Uh, shout out to LCB. Um, just put out Flexing and Sex in Part 2. Y'all got to check that out. Um, my, my story in there is called The Breathtaker. Such a sick story. Y'all got to check it out. It's called The Breathtaker. Look it up. Flexing and Sex in 2. Now, let me ask released. you about the ghost writing. Um because when you ghostwrite, you you do you does your is your name appear or are you just kind of like no we're gonna just I'm writing this for this person is that how that works? It depends on a contract. So most of the contracts we do what's called white glove service. Like we handle all of the services, just no fingerprints on it, right? So basically, a lot of you know um, industry figures, you know celebrities will come to us and they need the project out. They need to tell their story. They need to tell a story. Sometimes it's fiction. Um, they just don't know how to go about the process. So then we step in, we give them a full-blown outline of you know how we can get it done, give them a, a plan of action. And then, like I said, within that contract, it is within our contract as a um, kind of a, a new age NDA that we won't say that we were involved with the writing process. But, you know, wink, wink, nah, nah, they know. And then when they're ready for their next one, they come back to us. How does that work, though? Is it the type of thing where you meet with, they write what they want or they outline what they want? Or do you record them or do you go talk to them? What's the process of being a Mm -hmm. ghostwriter? I'm very curious about that. So, again, it all depends on the person. So you got some people that's just super busy, right? And, you know, and I don't want to be funny and I'm not saying this to be funny because it's a very real thing. A lot of our clients are incarcerated. Oh. So you can just imagine there is no recording that session. So they may have to submit through written word what they want to say. And then through a proxy, we then 
write out, you know, um, chapters and stuff like that, and then submit um, to the to the principal and then to get it to their liking and then, you know, uh, start the publishing process. So it really depends on a client. So I'm, I'm telling you this because I do want people to understand there is no limitation to publishing. There is no limitation to this process. If you want to put your project out, you simply have to reach out and we let us develop the hard work. Let us develop the, the process that will get you from that A to Z. Because um, again, there may be walls, there may be distance, there may be water. We just did a project um, for a world leader um, in Europe. There may be water that separates us, but we can get it done. So um, that's basically the, what you're asking as far as like what the process is. It really just depends on the client. But most of it will involve, you know, they may have an idea. They may submit content to us. They may submit audio to us. We may have to record audio for them. Uh, we may have to do a few things that's outside of the box. Like I said, we may have to take newspaper clippings. I know I'm dating no, myself you're not. with that. <laughs> right. I had to take some newspaper clippings and get my little magnifying glass out. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, but um, if they could, uh, if they could submit content, either way you could submit it. Again, like I said, I got a handwritten project right now that is murder. Oh my wow. god! This guy, he has been. I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's unfortunate. He's behind the wall. Uh, his book should be released later this year. His content is, I mean, it is insane. I mean, his mind, I mean, he has like a Stephen King mind with an urban feel. And it's really like, it's tough. It's tough to read because I feel this pain coming through that paper. So when he submitted it to us, it's all handwritten. We had to scan it. I mean, it's the process is grueling. And then when you read the story, it's like, oh my God, it's tight. Now, again, some people that's listening to this, that might not be their cup of tea. They might want to read something from, you know, uh, uh, sun, some sunshines and sparkles and unicorns and all this stuff. And then some people watching this like, I can't wait to get my hands on it because they love that gritty, raw, in-your-face content. So like I said, we don't discriminate whatever content that you have. And again, if you want us to come on board and do a full published and package, meaning like you want us to get involved on the front end, the back end, you want us to help you put it out and market it, we can definitely handle all facets of it. So to answer your question, I know it's a long answer, but to answer your question, I'll, uh, give me your poor, give me your wretched, you know what I'm saying? Give me all of that. We'll take care of it. Now, let me ask you, know you um, because we are living in a world of instant gratification, you know, Gen Z, that a lot of them, you know, don't really get into, I don't want to generalize, but because there's so many different alternatives to reading uh, where you can just pull it up online and watch it and see it. And do you think that writing, being an author, book sales have suffered due to technology? So that's a great question. So I got in the game. My first book came out in 2005. Now, my first uh, magazine was released in 2002. My first quote unquote business, I started in the mid 90s. So I've watched the industry change and flip. And I'm always, I'm like a student of history. So I'm always reading. I'm always trying to figure out what that next thing is. So when technology hits, I hate being surprised. I hate being like, damn, why didn't I know about that? So I'm always like, all right, if something's going on, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to look at it. Even if I can't benefit from it today, I know it's coming down the pike, so I got to watch it. 
So an interesting thing happened when I was writing my book in 2005. There was no Amazon. There was no ebook. I mean, it was Amazon, but it wasn't like it is today. There was no Kindle and nothing like that. There were remnant. Uh, there were rumblings about it where people like, well, you know, everything's about to go to ebook. Well, you know, everything's about to go here. And it's like, all right, that's fine. So let's see where this goes. Now, that doesn't mean when some new technology come out that you pull back because everybody loves stories. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's how we communicate. When you sit down and you get on the phone, girl, let me tell you what happened. Oh, that's a that's a sit down. That's a drink. That's a whole up. Let me get comfortable. Right. Let me get ready. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody loves a good story. Now, how you rely, uh, relay that story to that person, it, it's really up to you. So what we thought in the book industry was that, oh, nobody's going to read books. And that's very false because as you see, there's a lot of thriving bookstores. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, a lot closed because they didn't have the mindset of downsides and just, you know, taking on, you know, a certain novelty uh, store and doing it that way. But if you notice, people are still writing scripts. People are still writing documentaries. People are still, And then what you see at the end of that documentary, oh, based on a book right. written by such and such. Oh, based on a story written by such and such. Because the basis, and I don't care who you are, where you are, the basis of that story is going to come from a book. So if you don't get that book out and you don't solidify that book as the foundation, it's going to be tough to put a lot of you know successful projects on top of it. And I'm talking strictly content. So I do understand what you're saying as far as the competition, um, because it's no longer, you know, we don't leave, live in a world without TVs and phones and things like that. So I can just imagine how many books they were selling in the 1800s, 1700s, things like that, because that was the only medium moving. But now it is a, a big competition. So now what you have to do is now figure out ways to elevate your project. But you don't stop with the writing, because once you write that book and once it's solidified, you get that copyright, you slam it down to 2023. This is what it is. And then who knows what can happen from there. So I always want to build a strong foundation. I'm very much like you, Stan, uh, you know, with my ear to the ground to hear the latest and the newest. And I know because we've talked about it. AI, artificial intelligence is coming. Uh, I was watching Biden. He was talking about it. So now, you know, we're about, we about to get into our little conversation. You know how we talk. You know, the two conspirators, you know, but uh, OK, so AI now they're saying I just recently saw and I told my daughter about it, that you can put in a concept or idea for a school paper or essay and, you know, put it plug in a couple mm -hmm. of other pieces of information and the AI will generate the paper for you. So I'm sure they've got the same kind of thing either happening or coming what do you think is going to happen when AI steps in where you can maybe just put a subject matter or concept and the AI does the work for you? How is that going to play in making books and telling stories? Because it's coming. Mm -hmm. So there's a word that goes around any technology sphere. So the big word that's in Silicon Valley all the time is disruption. So once you understand what disruption is, it's not that it destroys. What it does is dis dis disrupts your process of how you are doing things. So when I look at certain things like you mentioned about your daughter uh, mentioning the AI, I look at it like this. The smartest mathematician uses a calculator. That don't make him an idiot. That don't make him less worthy of knowing exactly what he knows about the subject. So the th same thing happens for creativity. 
The AI is not going to create something that the eye can't look at and say, uh, that doesn't look real. Something is off about it because the human eye is definitely trained in a different level than the computer is. But what the AI would do, which is the best thing, which is what I love, mm. is speed. It's going to make things more efficient, which it should be because as a human being, you should evolve. You should not be we, we should not be driving around on horses, uh, riding on horses or driving around in a cold power train. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to evolve and elevate. So to me, I think embracing what's going on as far as the technology is concerned, but also understanding that honestly, the way that we were doing things in the past is antiquated. Like seriously, it shouldn't take you two years to write a book that somebody is going to read in less than a couple of days. Now, I'll give you my best example. 2005, I dropped my first book. 2007, I dropped Kiss by the Devil. In between 2007, 2000, 2005, 2007, I'm sitting at the job. I'm sitting in my basement. I'm sitting in my car. I'm writing a book. I'm sweating. I'm crying. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I ain't doing all that. I make it seem crazy. But basically, I'm writing. That's what I'm saying. I'm writing. And it took me two years. And the biggest insult that I used to take, you know, idiot, back in 2007, I didn't know nothing. I would give somebody the book and then I would get an email like 18 hours later. Oh, my God, this book is crazy. When's the next one? And I'm like, yo, this joint just took me almost 24 months to write. And you freaking read it in less than a day. And then somebody pulled my coattail, one of my, you know, elders, and was like, What's your favorite movie? I'm like, I don't know, Scarface, you know, Malcolm X. He's like, yeah, you know how long it took them to film that? Took years to film that. The budget is crazy. And it took you two hours to sit down and consume that. So when you think about it like that, you need to you need to know that the way that we were creating things and taking so long to do it, that was gonna die off anyway, because the world moves at a faster speed. So to me, Yes, getting involved with AI, understanding the parameters of it, how to expand on it is going to be important because you shouldn't have to sit down and create this massive, you know, project where, you know, it takes you all of this time and then somebody consumes it in less than a day or so and then they're on to the next. So you have to kind of condense that time. And again, you have to think about disruption because it's not here to destroy, it's here to enhance. So when you kind of put it through that kaleidoscope and understand, wait a minute, this lens is a little bit different and start to embrace it. I think it'll definitely think, be a I plus. I think that's great so advice because I think a lot of times we mm-hmm. get afraid of what we don't know or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of look sideways at things that are new and that maybe are advanced because, you know, and I think I read this in one of your techniques yep. in your new book, Word, Word, Word Play, um, where people are uh, mm-hmm. afraid so they don't want to, um, you know, explore because they feel like, well, I'm at the age where I can't learn nothing. Where, you know, like you pointed out in your new book that we're about to talk about, wordplay, is that you're never too old to learn. And there's new things that are happening, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily on the uh, uh, with AI, but there are all types of ideas and concepts that you can, you know, learn from take from and that will enhance your creativity and i just hope that people will look at it 
like the that way, that it's not something to come along to just, you know, oh, it's going to take my job. You know, I'm not going to have a job. No, it's going to help to make you more efficient. People be tripping. You know how they do. But anyway, let's talk about your new book, Word Play. I don't know why I want to say World Star, but Word Play. <laughs> look, anything to get the book sold, I might change the name. Anything, look, anything okay, to get the book sold. to become a better writer, which I, you know, and you know, I have to give you your props and your flowers because most of the time when people hit a certain level in what they do, it's not, you don't see it a lot where people are reaching back to try to help others. And I know one thing that I've heard from you on the many different times that I've interviewed you is that always trying to help another author bring their story to life. And so this book right here, The 10 Lessons to Become a Better Writer, is definitely going to help not only people like myself that take 18 years to write a book, but also people that maybe have a story that really needs to be told. So tell us why you did wordplay and what are some of the main pieces in the book that people should really, really look out for that's going to help them to bring their story to life. So the biggest thing I wanted to do with the book is, like you said, I wanted I wanted to kind of talk to creators, right? Because we're different. You know what I'm saying? Creative people are just different. We walk different. We talk different. Like we see things a little bit differently. So whereas somebody might see just a regular car ride, we're thinking, all right, how does this start? What the person eat this morning? Like it's so many different levels. Like we're just psychotic like that, right? So I wanted to write the book in that same vein. So within the book, there's like stories, like little funny perky stories that basically talk about these fictitious characters that we can identify with as we go through this journey of writing, creating, doing, you know, doing what we do. So I really wanted to kind of talk directly to those creators because I know the pain. I basically am. You know, it's funny. I, I I say this sometimes to my other writers. I always say we're all starving artists because if you're not starving, if you're not a starving artist, then your content is going to be horrible. We know what that concept is. So don't think that when somebody say oh, I'm a starving artist, then I mean that they, you know, not eating and stuff like that. it's not that it's just that you always thirsted and hungry for that bigger project that project that's going to set it off. Like I, I remember listening to an interview with Stevie Wonder and he said, I want to write a song that unites the world. And I can guarantee you he's still trying to write that song because that's just when, when you know, people that's creative, they got big ideas and they want to make that happen. I feel the same way with my books and the, and the content. I want, I want that one book that's like, man, you know what? This character is going to live forever, you know? So I'm still trying, I'm still writing and that makes us all starving artists. So I wanted to talk directly to those people because there's points and tips inside of the book that not that that only will help you, but will also help you to help other people. So it's all almost in layers where I know that what we write in 2023 will last for some time. But then somebody got to take the torch from there. So again, being a student of history, I love the James Baldwin's. I love the Richard Wrights. You know, I'm into those old books, Lorraine Hansberry. You know, Raising in the Sun. Those are my idols, right? And I know that they're looking like, all right. You better do what we did in these books and tell these other people where they are, you know, in the arc of history and let them push the, you know, push the needle forward. So that's what I wanted to do with this project. Um, and again, it's a little handbook that you can take with you. Uh, my favorite one, though. Yeah. I, should I give it away? Um, yeah. Give, tell tell us a little bit what one of your favorites. Well, my okay. favorite one is Start Where You Are. Because, again, the world has no, like, the world is very creative at holding you back. 
that's just how it is. The world is a very creative place when they're ready to hold you back. So whether that's people just, you know, talking uh, about you, uh, talking to you about you, you know what I'm saying? Just straight up. Like I had an author tell me like straight up, like, yo, you write hip hop. You'll never write a book on, on drama. You can't get an art. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, all right, I'll show you, you know? So there's people that will basically, you know, spend, you know, their life trying to hold you down. It's just the nature of the jungle. So to me, I feel like we all just need that extra push. So my favorite tip is to start where you are. Don't worry about the right time, the right place, you know, the right word, because you'll stare at that white page forever if you're waiting for the quote-unquote right time. Just start right there, you know. Um, and I joke in the book that some people have written by moonlight. Some people have written on a battlefield. You know, some people have written with bullets, you know, uh, spinning past their ears. I mean, people have been writing in some crazy predicaments. So what makes you, you know, so special that you can't sit down in your house with four walls, with the heat on, with the lights on, you know, it's nothing crazy going on. You should be able to sit there and write something amazing that the world can enjoy. So that's where my my biggest and my most quote unquote um infamous uh advice. So where can we get wordplay? Ten lessons to become a better writer. Fastest places go to Amazon or you can go to DeshaunTeller.com. Um, if you don't know how to spell <laughs> my name, just slap yourself. You know what I'm saying? Hour. And I know my name is somewhere on this screen, somewhere. So basically, <laughs> copy and paste my name and go to my website and click that button and purchase the book. Um, also, I'll be doing a lot of, um, I'm actually in the process of developing a few classes. Um, shout out with, uh, to the whole team at Win writing is necessary. Uh, we started this initiative years ago, got kind of sidetracked doing real life stuff. So now it's definitely time. I feel like the uh, energy is back. And like I said, jokingly in the beginning of this interview, I feel like there's a revolution going on quietly um, because it's people that hear stories. There's people that want to tell stories and they're all asking the same question. Like what's next? What's next? What's next? You're next. Like you're the person that's next. Stop waiting for other people to dictate where you're going. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to most Def that said something real in 2001. It's like, yo, where's hip hop going? He's like, man, hip hop is going where we going. If we smoked out, hip hop's going to be smoked out. You know what I'm saying? If we saying power to the people, hip hop's going to be saying power to the people. So we are going to move where we dictate is going to move, especially as creative people. So, you know, get those keyboards out, get those pens out, you know, and uh, don't sleep, man. People are people are creating some amazing stuff out there, and I'm just excited. Shauna, I appreciate you going. always, always. You have so much information to give, and this wordplay, ten lessons to become a better writer. I know there's somebody out there right now who's thinking, you know what? This brother, this brother reached me. This this brother, you know, he sees me in his words. One piece of advice in closing to that person that has red hair that has been trying to write a book. <laughs> For 18 years and can't do it. Somebody who's afraid, somebody who can't do it, somebody who feels like they're in a situation where they can't write. What is that one piece of advice to that person out there who wants to write a book, not disciplined enough? What do you say to that person? Three words. Hire <laughs> the professional. I like that? Go ahead, D. <laughs> 
listen, let's always be closing. ABC, baby. I love it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Look, all right. (laughs) Deshaun, it's been wonderful. Once again, social media, where do they find you? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the Sean Tellers. So at the Sean Teller, all of them. Find me on LinkedIn at the Sean Teller, Amazon at the Sean Teller, again, DeShaunTeller.com. Um, and you know, I'm very personable. I'm, I'm very excited. Don't reach out to me thinking like I'm standoffish. If you got a story or a project, man, let's do it, man. Let's make it happen, man. We, we only here for a finite, a little bit of time. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. Deshaun, so I, I appreciate you. And one thing I do want to say um, to those out there that are listening, this brother has been doing it for a long time and he's always been about helping other people, whether it be, you know, writing your book or publishing your book, but he can definitely guide you to where you need to be. And uh, that, that, that's, that's, he's always been consistently consistent with that. And I appreciate that about you, Deshaun. I'm going to wish you continued success. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. You know, <laughs> you like family. I'm going to see you. You might never be know. Minutes, you never might know. Be days, but good luck be- to you. No, okay. Now you tell room. me. You let me know. Yeah. You let me know where you're gonna be, and uh, you know where you're gonna be signing for this book, so I can let people know so they can get out there. I appreciate you, Deshaun Taylor. You guys, thanks so much for listening to the Olivia Fox yeah. podcast. Please tell a friend. You have to subscribe to this podcast. Okay, even give us some feedback. Let us know what you think, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Your girl is back. The Olivia Fox podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The Olivia Fox Podcast is produced and hosted by Olivia Fox. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Olivia Fox Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, comment, and rate. Follow Olivia Fox on IG at Olivia Fox Radio. Follow the Mean Old Line Media Podcast Network at Mean Old Line Media. Get the Mean Old Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The Olivia Fox Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.